When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, well, Lincoln Riley is out. He's going to USC, and the Sooners lost Bedlam. That's all we're really going to talk about. Please download it and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 29th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in December from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play and Riverwind's $60,000 Rudolph's Riches promotion. Ooh, nice, festive. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Remember, we had no hand in this. We didn't. I feel like. Let's get, I'm going to get this one out of the way because I feel like it, it was, it will just build up and kind of like bubble over what the fuck. (laughs) Oh, that's exactly right. W T F all caps. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Crazy. I knew it was, it was a weird couple of weeks. Right. And there was a lot of smoke. There was a lot of lot of rumors. There was a lot of uneasiness. You know, and I was like, I hey, I don't know. I, the the rumor mill's churning. There's got to be something going on. And then, you know, I thought he squashed it Saturday night. Little did I know he squashed the one that everyone was talking about and not the one that nobody was talking about. Wild. Okay, so uh, let's dance around this carefully. 
right? <laughs> because I we've been hearing stuff for the last couple of weeks from within the program. And, you know, people that are part of that staff, several of them told us that Lincoln had been acting weird for a couple of weeks, pretty much ever since since the Baylor game. And several of them over you know the last week and a half or so were convinced he was his all he had already taken another job. And they were just wondering where it was going to be and if they were if he was going to ask him to go with him, basically. And you know, I had I talked to some people and it at the highest levels at OU, they they weren't concerned. But the guys that were that are with him every single day for hours and hours and hours were the ones that were saying, Yeah, something's up. And boy was it ever, man. I mean Yeah, I it, it's crazy. I, you know, the LSU job was always, you know, that's the one that everyone was talking about. And I, I never, I, did you ever hear his name thrown out there for USC? Like other than someone like throwing a, a list together that, you know, has every name on it. I, I never heard any real conversation at all about Lincoln Riley at USC, right? No, I, so, I think that because everyone would react the same way a lot of people today did. And it's like, OU's a better job right now. Yeah. Right. And like USC has been struggling and struggling. So it was LSU made a little more sense. Like people are like, oh, well, you know, they won a national title a couple of years ago. Last three coaches have won national titles there. It's really easy to recruit in Louisiana. They're already in the SEC. Like, so a lot of people viewed, OU and LSU as you know kind of on the same level mm -hmm. right no one thinks USC is on OU's level right now nobody right. nobody that's watched them play nobody that knows what that roster looks like right now nobody right. well and and you know the hang up with LSU was always well there's no way Lincoln Riley wants to live in Baton Rouge. I mean, that's just not happening. He's he's not going to go down there. He's not taking his family to live in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, they if if the rumors are true of the offer that they made, it's hard to turn that down. But it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you could you can make it make sense. You can say, well, here's why it would, but it didn't seem like it would fit. Now USC just kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and I guess for some people living in South, uh, Southern California is a big draw. Others, not as much. But the weather's great. Uh, there's that. Here's the thing to me. Right now at LSU, what's the expectation? Win a national championship. At Oklahoma right now, what's the expectation? Win a national championship. The, the making the playoff was not doing it anymore. People weren't happy with that anymore. USC right now has got a pretty low bar. For USC, historically, 
like there's a low bar there to go and have success. Now, at some point, it's going to turn in just to if you have success, it's going to turn into the same thing as OU and LSU and any anywhere else that's had a lot of success. But um, I I think it's a low bar right now. That's probably why it's a, why it's appealing. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where I say something that makes me feel bad and it is going to make everyone else feel bad. <laughs> if, and I, I, listen, I'm upset with Lincoln Riley. Everyone that has any sort of association, and, you know, feels like he just abandoned us, right? Right? That's how, that's how it feels. And this just doesn't happen at OU. But, when you look at it from this simple perspective, right? Lincoln Riley is going to do the same job at a place that has the same resources, if not better. Now, they don't have as good of fans, right? And football doesn't mean as much there, but it's the same job with the same resources for roughly double the amount of money. If you just look at it in those three ways, right? Who among us wouldn't do it, right? And now, I, I'm just saying, like that. If you look at it at, the, at its simplest form, same job, same resources, and uh, double the money. Now that now you you factor into the culture in California versus the culture in Oklahoma. It's different. It's different. But do you just want to get into like why you think he did it? Yeah, we can do that. Um, sure. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't really know why he did it. I don't like what you just laid out. It that makes that makes sense. It makes some sense, but it doesn't make enough sense. Um, I my, my other theory is not going to make anyone feel any better either. Yeah. Let me hear your other theory. Okay. Oh, okay. So first of all, I have always, I, I think a lot of people have always been under the impression that Lincoln knew about, OU going to the SEC. I'm not sure that's the case. I agree. In fact, I don't think he knew. I'll just say it. I don't think he knew. And that is a different, it's a different gig, man. When you sign up to be the head coach at Oklahoma in the Big 12 versus being the head coach at Oklahoma and being in the SEC. It's different. It's very, very different. And I think when you look at the challenge that was ahead for, for OU and for Lincoln Riley as the head coach, I'm not sure he was thrilled about that. Now, I, I don't want to question him as a competitor, right? But stability and longevity mean everything to a coach. 
And maybe he looked at the situation that OU is going to walk into, whether it's next year, the year after, whenever, and went, ooh, not sure that's, that's going to go very well. And he's not the only one, right? You and I, we've talked about it. They're going to have to get, they're going to have to get better players. They're going to have to get bigger humans. But this is, because I was trying to, in my head, I was like, okay, I don't want to just get on here and trash Lincoln because he did a good job. Right. Like he won a ton of games in his five years. Like he did a good job. I'm not going to be like, come on here and be like, oh, he was terrible. He's awful. Like, no, he's one of the best coaches in college football. Like, it's just what it was. But maybe this is the best way to put it. Taking the USC job is a path of lesser resistance because. OU's about to be going toe-to-toe with Florida and Georgia and Bama and Auburn and LSU. And USC is going up against Oregon and Washington. It's I, I'm not saying USC is a better job. I don't think it is. I think OU's an incredible job. But when you just look at it from that perspective, man, with what the future looks like, one path, one one job's harder than the other. Yeah. And, and you've I got know, a maybe, state with like, I don't know, 50 million people, maybe more than that. I don't know how many people in the state of California. It's a massive state. And whenever you are any good at all, you kind of have free run of the entire state as far as recruiting, and there's a bunch of recruits out there. So, yeah, it's definitely the path of least resistance. And I'm, I'm not necessarily I, – I like I'm not mad at Lincoln for leaving. I just – and I know it kind of comes with the territory, but I just didn't like the process, right? I don't, I don't like – I don't like how it all goes down, and and I know that there's probably no other way to do it, but I don't like that. I I don't I don't like leaving. Like forget the fans, but the your players, your your staff, like everyone that's like there, depending on that that program just being like walking in one day and be like, Oh yeah, well, uh, I know I didn't tell you guys, but I'm out of here. I appreciate it. It was fun. See ya. It's just a weird, it's weird to me. And again, I, I know that there's not really a better way to do it, but uh, I just, I don't like that process. Here's the thing too, though. Lincoln Riley was a great coach. You're right. Uh, one of the best in college football. That's why they, wanted him and that's why they're paying him what they are but i think ou is going to be just fine this program is going to be just fine there's i think there's a lot of capable coaches out there i don't know we'll talk about that later but we're going to be all right i i'm i am not worried about us football wise at all i think that there are going to be guys lining up for the ou job because it's a great job. And the leadership at OU, starting with Joe C, I mean, it is, I, I mean, I, I know we talk about it a lot, but Joe, 
Joe Castiglione is widely regarded as the best athletic director in the country. There's going to be a lot of guys that want to work for him. There's going to be a lot of guys that want to take over OU's roster. Now, what that roster looks like after this is a complete other topic. But, yeah, I'm not – I don't think this is some sort of death blow to Oklahoma at all. And, listen, Lincoln, a bright offensive mind. I was not a huge fan of some of the ways he operated. I wasn't. And when you look at it, he inherited what was a really good roster and an even better culture that Bob Stoops had established. And I feel like every year that we've gotten away from Bob being the head coach, that culture's been chipped away at a little bit and chipped away at. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, can you look at either one of those and say that they're as good as they were whenever he took over the program? The answer is no. Flat out. Is he to blame for that? Well, you know, he's, he's the head coach. He's in charge of the culture there. He's in charge of the roster there, recruiting, all of those things. I think there's other factors, but at the end of the day, I mean, the buck stops here, and I just I don't know how much better off we are now than we were when he took over, if at all. Right. All right, let's keep talking about this. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh fruit, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Dude, 
the one thing you mentioned, like that you didn't like how it went down. The one thing that now you look at it and you're just like, why the hell did you even say it? Right. I mean, Murdoch asked him after the game and he said, he stops him, right? Says, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. He, he didn't have to say that. And that's the part that pisses me off. Like, he's an incredibly bright guy. He knew how that was going to be interpreted. By right. me, by you, by this entire fan base, by every player that's on that roster playing for him. We all interpreted that the same way, and it's complete bullshit that he said it. Because yep. I, I refuse to believe that this was some decision that just came together in the middle of the night after Bedlam. That's bullshit. This, right. is some, this offer has been sitting on his desk for weeks and weeks. Well, you guys really looked good in that Oklahoma State game. We're deciding we're going to up our offer by $2 million a year. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. Like, like, it was, my guess is, you know, they had agreed in principle and they just didn't know the timing because obviously if Oklahoma won, the season was going to continue. Which explains why everyone that spends every day with him said he was acting real weird. Mm-hmm. So, and... No, the people at OU are blindsided by this. And as far as, so, right, he has the meeting uh, with the players. And, well, he had a staff meeting, right? And basically he said he appreciated them, uh, really appreciated his time at OU, and said it was, you know, he just felt it was time for a change and that USC was the right spot. Well, that was it. Like, but not even that. It was like staff meeting, and at least some of the staff showed up expecting to talk about the Oklahoma State game. Like, that's, you know, like we're going in Sunday, staff meeting, go over what happened in the game, schedule move going forward, you know, because I, a lot of people, like you and I interpreted the LSU comment, I think the same way as even people on the staff interpreted the comment. I, I wonder if Lincoln regrets that. I bet he does, right? Because listen, all, all he had to say was, "Hey, I don't want to talk about any of that stuff right now. I want to talk about the game," and the fan base would have been like, "Wait, what? What?" But it wouldn't have like we all relaxed, right? There had been this tension building, and yeah. we heard like, him everyone say that, knew like that's like, oh. that was going to be the, the next time he was in front of a microphone, and everyone you knew it was going to be asked. It was going to be asked whether they won the game or lost the game. That was going to be the question, and so it's not like he was shocked by it. He he knew what was going to go down, and that's probably probably why he said, "Let me stop you right there," is because. He didn't want the question to expand anymore. He could just shoot down the LSU. Which I understand it. Like, he didn't lie, technically. Like, if if this was the court of law and we were examining his statement, like, yes, he technically didn't lie. 
but I just don't know how you can do that, man. Unless I know, I, I know well, he did business. go on to say though, that, you know, he has no problem with the administration. They've worked well together and they'll work well together in the future. I guess the future meant the next 15 minutes whenever we get on the bus. <laughs> like we're, we're going to eat this red lobster next to each other. It was red lobster after the game, by the way. It's still I water. didn't even I was partially wondering if red lobster still existed. I didn't even I haven't been to a red lobster in twenty years probably. It was it was chicken pasta, and I won't lie, wasn't bad. And there were two cheddar biscuits in there. Let's go. Ah, nice. But I just don't understand why you say that if you know you're going to USC. And I refuse to believe it was just like mm, it just came together the next morning. I mean, come on. Who are you yeah. kidding? I mean, come on. I don't know. Wild. And then as far as, you know, I had a couple of the players reach out to me. And as far as what he said to them, basically, hey, uh, thought it was the best decision for my family. And not much more than that. And he was out. I, I no. guess there's no easy way to do it. I guess it, what is this? The rip the bandaid version? Like that's the approach. Yeah. There's, I mean, there, there is nothing that you can say in that situation. That's going to go over well. Um, you know, I, I think that I, it just, it looks like, you know, cause it's always about, how much you care about the players. Like that's what you're selling always. Right. It's like, whenever you come here, this is family. Right. And that's kind of, that's been their thing for a while now. This is, it's like a family whenever you come here and it's weird that whenever a, another opportunity or a better opportunity shows up, it's like, uh, yeah, the family's not good enough for me anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to a new family. So, I can understand if you're a uh, the player there sitting there, maybe being upset, maybe, um, you know, feeling like you've been misled, but you know, that's unfortunately that's the business, man. It's, it's crazy. And yeah. it, this is the thing, man. And I know everyone has said this, but no one's walked away from OU's job in a long time. I, I saw our buddy, Jake Trotter, put it out the last time OU lost a coach to another college job was Jim Tatum to Maryland in 1947 lost Chuck Fairbanks to the Patriots in 1973 this this stuff doesn't happen at Oklahoma it just doesn't right and it certainly doesn't happen for USC with the way that things have been going at USC. I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the future holds. I don't know what direction they're going to go, but it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Like if the transition to the SEC is coming next year, like I still firmly believe it is. And you're going to be, Working with a new new head coach, at least 
partially new staff. I mean, maybe a, an entire new staff. Who knows? It It's going to be some massive change going on. And the clock is ticking because signing day is less than a month away. And we had a really good recruiting class. And all of a sudden, that is in flux, to say the least. And uh, so... One thing that is interesting, right, because Lincoln leaves and and some people may think, oh, well, you know, the assistants will stay. It's OU. That's that's really not how this industry works. It's not how the coaching business works. The coaching business is the ultimate buddy system. Like, if you're not my buddy, you're not on my staff. And so you look at it when, when Lincoln leaves and I, I anticipate uh, a couple of assistants leaving with him. They'll probably announce it Monday, if I had to guess, uh, from what I've been told. The rest of the assistants, like the assistants that don't want to go with him to USC, they don't really have a job. Right, so you you think about the the spot those guys are in with their families. It's and it's weird because you don't know, like you may be getting other options. You may have an option that possibly to go to USC, or you may have another option, like because there's going to be so many moving parts in college football this year. Like, who knows what OU's status is for? You know, like if if they intend to make a hire really quickly, if they're going to wait, you know, until after the bowl game, like who knows what that status is, and right, you're kind of forced into a position of of maybe taking something that you really don't want, and you being kind of pushed into a position. It sucks. It is a really really bad spot to be in. Like, you know, I fully anticipate. Lincoln Take and Dennis Simmons, right? I mean, those guys have been boys for forever. Think they were in each other's weddings. Like, I'd be shocked if Dennis stuck around. And it's like, I can't really say anything to the guy. Like, it is what it is. But, you know, I would be, I'd be really surprised if Lincoln doesn't try to take Bill. Which, and I don't know. I don't know what Bill's going to do, right? I, I know Bill really likes it in Oklahoma. He, he's lived here for a long time now. He he considers Oklahoma home, but O-line is like the ultimate, no, normally like a head coach and an O-line coach are tied together. It, it's almost like a strength coach where it's like, oh, no, 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 I need my O-line guy. Especially if it's a, like an offensive-minded coach. Yeah, and even with how great bill is and with the reputation he's got, like it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because I mean, just sticking around and not going like that's, he, that's a roll of the dice for him because he doesn't know who the next head coach is going to be. So, I mean, you start looking at some of the best assistants on the staff. It's like, what happens with Grinch? I think Grinch even go. you think he'll go. Grinch is going. Uh, 
So he's so, not going to be the next head coach. <laughs> well, I, I guess he's I got, can't. And the thing is, it's like, I don't feel bad for any of these guys. I, I know some people that are really dialed into USC and they have put together a massive pool for the assistants. I was texting with one guy and he basically said, cause I was like, did you guys give Lincoln like double? Like what the hell he said? There are no cash flow limitations. <laughs> that was the quote. Wow. I was like, Oh boy. So I guess what's interesting is like the whole time we thought the, you know, the offer by LSU was made and there was, go- there was a, a negotiation going on between Lincoln and OU to see where they would get in regards to LSU's offer, but we had the wrong program. That was, uh, I'm guessing USC was the one that was outbidding LSU, perhaps. Crazy. So, well, Lincoln was almost making eight, right? I And remember, USC is a private school, so... They don't have to release it. Someone will leak it eventually, right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised what, somewhere between 130 and 150? Million? Million. Over 10? Over 10. That's right. I mean, when you think about it, like think about your Lincoln. (laughs) Come back. Where's George Clooney when you need him? Get the paddles. Um, When you think about it, right, you're in – Lincoln's in one of the most stable jobs in all of college football, right? OU keeps coaches for a long time. That's what they do when when you're winning, right? You got to make, and and let's be real, Lincoln, and I'm not, this was not an easy decision for him, clearly. Like, he, he made this decision knowing what the reaction is going to be. Right, it's it's not a Kevin Durant situation where he's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm shocked that people are so mad that I left for the Warriors." I'm shocked. I didn't see it coming. It's like, how did you not see this coming? It's like Lincoln knew he knows what football, what OU football means to the people here, right? So, in order for him to leave OU in that stability and deal with the backlash. You got to back up the Brinks truck, I'm guessing. Right? Or I, right? Yeah, I guess. Or he was just pissed about the SEC thing and wanted an easier path and more money. Like, there's no way he's not making more money. Like, I, I would say the starting figure is that $100 million deal that, that leaked from LSU. Like, was it eight years? It was $12.5 million a year. Like, maybe they matched that but gave him 10 years instead of the eight. You know, maybe it's something like that. I don't know. And a, a bigger pool for assistance. A, a, a former USC quarterback sent a text message that was relayed to me that he heard it was almost double of what Lincoln's making now. It's crazy. Whew. Do Crazy we money? Yeah, and I mean it's 
But the taxes, Ted, the taxes. <laughs> so he gets paid the same as he does now, you're telling me. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, man, I don't know how to feel. I, I don't know. Like, <sighs> here's the thing. I, I think Lincoln Riley's a good coach. I think he's done a good job. But there are things, there's a lot of things that I would do different. Um, and I think that the program speaks for itself. The program wins. The program has won national championships with multiple coaches. The program will be fine. Josie is like, I would be more worried if Josie had left than if Lincoln left, right? So Josie better not go anywhere. <laughs> Joe, don't even think about it. I, I think we'll I think we'll be just fine. Now, this job is it's a monster job. There, and you said it, there's gonna be a long list of people that will be dying to coach at Oklahoma. So I'm not worried about that. We're gonna have we're gonna get an excellent coach. And I think Josie, you know. People always look for the splash hire. I don't think that's Josie's method. I, I, I don't think it's going to be someone that you're going to have to, you know, throw a ton of money at in order to get them away from some other good gig. Josie's going to find the, the right candidate, not the, the most, um, you know, most well-known candidate. That's not going to be the case. Do you think... Do you think like the differences of being the head coach at OU and, and kind of throw out the, you know, OU going to the SEC and uh, USC being in the Pac-12 and it being, you know, kind of an easier road to winning. Do you think just the differences of being the head coach at OU and kind of what football means here? and being the head coach at USC and what football means out there. Do you think that had anything to do with it where you can just kind of blend into LA? Right. And I guess Pete Carroll, you know, he became, you know, famous when they had things rolling. Right. Just a reminder, Pete Carroll's winning percentage, uh, less than Lincoln Riley's winning percentage at OU. Uh, fun fact. But you look at you look. Do you think that played a part? Like he, how I don't know. There's just it. There's a lot of responsibility being the head coach of USC, but it doesn't well, mean as much. I'll say it. It doesn't mean as much to the people. Yeah. Out there. Well, frankly, you you can't go nine and zero or eight and zero or whatever we were at the time and have the entire fan base pissed off at you at USC, at least not right now. Like if USC was nine and zero, I don't think they would be complaining about how the team looked during the games. Right. But OU is with, with what we've, the level of play we've seen recently the level of play we've seen, you know, historically we've got a smart fan base. We've got an invested fan base that kind of knew where we stood and I'm sure he was I'm sure he was tired of answering the questions week after week 
about how bad his undefeated football team was. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that probably wore on him, but my guess is my guess is this thing was already in motion before that. And that leads us back to that SEC decision, right? That maybe he was blindsided by that. That got him crossways with the administration. Um, also looking at like the new elements of the job and, and like what a down year might be in the SEC. Like it makes USC look more appealing. It does. It's going to be easy to blend in. I mean, when Pete Carroll was there, I don't think they even had an NFL team in LA. Now they have two. It's going to be very easy to blend. And I, it's, it's certainly not a secret that he doesn't love the media obligation a part of the job, but I feel like USC is a pretty big program, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It is. All right. Let's talk some potential candidates. Let's, let's make some guesses, Ted. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and, uh, they compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does the weather really matter? It's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right. Probably the most important question to start off the candidates discussion, Ted. Do you think the new coach at any point will, you know, just speaking in generalities, of course, will possibly uh, try to prevent a former Butkus and Bednarik award winner from going and viewing practice or a, a former two-time captain and All-American center from going and viewing practice or, or a captain nose guard? Uh, you know, just throwing some things out there. Do you think the new guy will, you know, be so paranoid that guys that 
love the program and cover the program and want nothing but the best for the program are going to like share secrets or anything. You think that's going to be part of uh, the new situation? Maybe, <laughs> but doubtful. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. It's a, it's a good question. Um, I think it is smart to keep some things under wraps, but I think it's also important to, you know, allow some people around the program to see how things are going. I, I don't see a problem with that. Especially maybe when, you know, this is all hypothetical, of course, when you know, <laughs> they do television and radio for, for the team. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Again, strictly hypothetical, right? Strictly <laughs> hypothetically speaking. Of course. Of course. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, who the hell is going to get this job? And, and this, Josie's not going to tell anyone anything, by the way. Right? You, he is a guy that he operates in the shadows, man. That's, that's what he does. We're all going to send the same text. We're all going to – none of them are going to be replied to. That's how – it's how Josie operates. And especially one of the interesting factors, like, man, LSU is still open. I, I know Billy Napier filled, you know, he took the Florida job, so that one's off the board. But is LSU is official. That is official. Yes. Okay. Or at least I thought, I mean, everyone, the same people, official said, enough. The same people that said Lincoln was taking USC were saying that Billy Napier was taking Florida. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, Write that one in Sharpie that he's uh, he's there at Florida. So you look at LSU still being open. Like, that's a great job, but there's also a reason it hasn't been filled. And I think that's where when you – a lot of people are going to say, okay, same pool of candidates probably or a similar pool, which job is better? And I, it goes back to that conversation we had about the stability, right? And, and we kind of talked about this when – Lincoln, like the rumors all started that he was going to LSU. It was like, why would you sign yourself up for the instability that is LSU, right? You, there's no doubt you can get really good players. You can win a national championship, but one down year and you may be gone two down years. You're definitely gone there. Yeah. So I, I feel like OU is going to, and I could be wrong. I feel like OU will have. First pick. Yeah. No, there's there or else LSU would be filled. Right. I I I think that's true. I think OU will have first pick. Um I you know, an interesting thing is what does uh, OU in the Big Twelve definitely has first pick. What do people outside of the program view this job trying to transition it into the SEC? Like, that's the one thing that I don't know. Like, that's, that's a question mark for me. I don't know what other coaches think of, of OU transitioning to the SEC. I know everyone else says, you know, it's going to be way more difficult in the SEC. I wonder if coaches are saying the same thing. and. Um, and, and how 
like what the what that means for recruiting. You know, I don't I don't know, but I I would guess that OU probably has got to have first pick, right? I I mean, I think so. If this is the way I view the LSU job, if it was as good as some people think it is, they would have a coach by now. Right. With with like all the all the reports of like the type of money they were willing to throw around. It's <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. But I think we both can agree it's not gonna be Cliff Kingsbury, despite what Adam Schefter says. What was that? I don't know. Well, it's his agent, you know, trying to, you know, position him to get a new deal with Arizona. I'll tell you right now. I even if Josie was thinking, hey, what about Cliff Kingsbury? There's no way this fan base will not, will not tolerate, accept anyone with any connection to Texas Tech at all it's not happening i'm sorry it's a hard no not happening and, and that's i think i think joe sees in a tough spot and luckily he's the best at what he does so i'm not concerned about it but we just lost a guy that is considered what one of the top five coaches in college football at worst at worst, you got to bring someone in that gets the fan base excited, right? Uh, I mean, and I know that maybe there aren't a ton of options right now because the timing of this is horrible. Horrible. It's horrible. And But we didn't even talk about what this is doing to recruiting. Do you uh, see what that running back, the California kid, the Raleigh Brown kid said? Mm-mm. I think he's 20. He's he's he said that uh it definitely changes how he views his commitment and he bet it'll change how all those Cali kids view it. I was like, "Oh, awesome. So all the five stars are gone. Sweet." Well, Malachi Nelson, uh the Lemon kid, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, DNS kid I, already decommitted. Sweet. Awesome. That's that's expected. That's fine. Hey. I I get it. I, I understand giving those kids going through the recruiting process, but um, it's going to hurt in the, in the, in the short term. But again, in the long time, long term, I think we'll be, we'll be just fine. I love your positivity. You and I are thinking the same way. It's, it's the program. And I know a lot of people are like, well, they signed up play to play for Lincoln Riley. And that is true. That's definitely true. But I trust, I trust the leadership and I trust the tradition, and I also believe in karma, man. I know that that sounds weird, but it's like, we, we just got done dirty, bro. Dirty. You, yeah. you got to hope, hope the universe is going to help us out a little bit, right? Right. Let me ask you this. Recruits are, obviously, it's a, it's a big effect on recruiting, there's no doubt. And there's going to be some guys that decommit. But what about the current roster? What do you think the effect is on the current roster? I don't know. Say a true freshman quarterback. Um, yeah. Did you see what he said on Twitter? No. He, he basically said 
I mean, I could pull it up, but that would take time. He basically said, congrats to Lincoln and his family for a great opportunity. And that's all he has to say at this time. Hashtag boomer. Yeah. So uh, you, <laughs> you want to get really worried. Uh, you lose Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. USC's got Jackson Dart, though. I got to play a little bit. You, yeah. I would assume they're going to lose one of them. But, right. and, and that's why with, with the early signing period in a couple weeks and with the way that the transfer portal got, oh my gosh, what the, what the roster is going to look like for the bowl game is going to be, oh, well, we should play a game where we guess how many guys will be available for that one. That we'll Crazy. do, we'll do players and coaches, but you look at, you look at just this time of year. Like, do you think that OU's got the, got time here? It seems like they need to act like now. I don't know. I know you don't want to rush this, a decision this big, right? But it's, you got to stabilize this thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're freaking out. The fan base is freaking out. Like everyone's freaking out. Recruits are freaking out. Like you have to stabilize it as quickly as you can. Here's the thing. Josie is incredibly smart. And I know that there's been some type of negotiation going between Lincoln Riley and, and OU and wherever his new spot is. It's not like they thought he was staying. But they knew that he was getting other offers, right? We can, we can, I, I guess I don't know that for sure, but I'm, I feel like that's a pretty safe assumption. So Josie has to, at least, even if he thought it was a 10% chance that Lincoln leaves, he had to start really putting a, a list together. Okay. If, if we do lose him, if he does leave, what do we need to do? Like, what's our, what's our, you know, our plan here and who are we going to target? Uh, what are we going to do in the meantime? Uh, you know, I, 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 so I do think that he's, he's not like sitting around saying, Oh my God, what are we going to do now? He's got a plan in place and I'm sure he's, you know, he's, he's already moving on it. I don't know what his list looks like, but I know he's always had one. He's always talked about keeping a short list in the, in his office drawer. So his desk drawer. Is this the time to break into his office? Wait, what? (laughs) We would never, we would never. I Uh, stole that list a long time ago. So as far as a list, right? I mean, who do you think's on it? I mean, who, who would be on yours? You know, said like, I, I know Mark Stoops, but why would he ever give that gig up at Kentucky? He's got one of the best jobs in the country. Yep. And I think Mark Stoops would do a great job. I think he would. I think he'd be excellent here. But I I don't know that Joe C or Mark Stoops want to go down that road. Like if you're Mark and you've done such a good job at Kentucky, you've got a, a really nice contract there. They love you there. I don't I don't know that he would be excited about going 
and taken over the Oklahoma job, you know, where, where Bob had such a nice run. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how that dynamic would work. Like I don't, and I don't, I don't know that the administration and Josie even how, like what, what they would want to do with the going back, back to the Stoops name. I think it'd be a good hire, but I just, I, I guess right now I'm saying that I think that to be unlikely. My All list right. is, has two names on it. Ooh, short list. Love it. Let's go. I haven't had much time to think about it, frankly. My, my first choice, pretty obvious, Brent Venables. Um, BV has, he's coached under three historic coaches. He's coached under Bill Snyder. He's coached under Bob Stoops. He's coached under Davo Sweeney. Won a national championship at two of those places. Played in multiple championships now. He's got a championship pedigree. He knows what it takes. BV is, he is the perfect mix. The Snyder and Stoops tenure that he had was the brutal, hard-nosed grinder phase of his career. Then he goes to Clemson. Dabo's a completely different guy. He is way more positive. No cursing at practice. Like it's a it's a totally different atmosphere. So I think you get like a blend of enough old school and a a different new perspective with BV. And it's clear that he is an elite coach. He he's had a top defense at Clemson almost his entire tenure there. Um, we're going to the SEC, so like I know a lot of people say that he couldn't couldn't do it here at Oklahoma, and that was the Big Twelve. That was a different era. Big Twelve was essentially for a, a, a decent period of time playing different football than anywhere else in the country. It's not the case anymore. Uh, it's all almost the same thing across the country. Almost every offense is is doing really close to the same thing and going to the sec. He knows the lay of the land. I know he's in the ACC, but he's in that part of the, in, in that part of the country. So I think BV would be excellent. And obviously he knows the history at Oklahoma has connections here. So it makes sense. Number two on the list pipe dream. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like the NFL Matt rule. Like Matt Rule, love everything about Matt Rule. Love the way he uh, builds relationships. I love his mindset, his teams. Although he gives a little bit different feel, his teams are incredibly physical, incredibly tough. Think he'd be a great recruiter. Think the fans would love him. Matt Rule would be my number two. Matt Rule would be an absolute home run in my mind. I've talked about how much I love Matt Rule on this podcast. And frankly, I've been missing him. I've been (laughs) see the thing is he is, but I've also talked to guys that have played for him. And so I've been told it's a little kind of what you were talking about when it comes to BV. Like, yeah, he's got that positivity, kind of gonna preach to you, but he also can be a psycho. Which 
is pretty much what you want for a head coach. You can't be a good coach unless there's some psycho in there. Exactly. There has to be. So, it, I'm trying to think if this is an overstatement. But for what I believe in in football, I think Matt Rule would be an upgrade from what we just had. Yeah. Because I think there's a certain toughness and physicality. And, you know, we've both talked about this, but it seems to have dwindled a little bit around here. And I'm not, yeah, yeah. you, you were that kind of player. I really, I mean, I was soft as Charmin, so I can't really say anything, but it was like, at least I played really hard, <laughs> you know? So it was, Hey, I, I didn't have a choice. I, there, there, there wasn't a, like a choice to be made. It was like, you know, but yeah, I, I think rule would be, I think he'd be, he'd be great. I know that's a short list. I haven't had a low, whole lot of time to think about it. I, um, I, Hypel, while I think Hypel would do a great job, and I would have no problem with them hiring Hypel as head coach, I think that would be an incredibly difficult sell to the fan base and maybe even to Hypel. There are there are some deep wounds there, <laughs> right? Yes, and I don't know if with the type of year he had at Tennessee, I don't know if he – I don't even know if he'd want it, right? I, I mean, he definitely – if Joe called him, like it's – he's going to have to think about it long and hard, right? You because, better call him from a burner phone without a 405 area code. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, some of these other names that are kind of just floating out there, and people are just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks, right? Once again – no one's going to know who's on Joe's list. That this that's just not how he operates, but some people are saying Dave Aranda. I don't know why Dave Aranda would do that. He's about to have a pretty sweet gig going at Baylor. By the way, people don't realize Baylor pays their coaches. Yes, they do. They are a private school. <laughs> they like Dave Aranda's about to be making like 7 million, 8 million. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he's about to be making big money. And once OU and Texas leave, he's looking at the Big 12 going, and I just might have the most talented roster in this thing. I so agree. I, and it's it's low-key. It kind of fits his personality. I don't, I don't know. It se- he seems like he's happy there. Uh, Luke Fickle. What do you think of that? Like, listen. I like what Luke Fickle's all about, man. Tough, hard-nosed, Ohio guy. Like, if if you've ever been to Ohio, Oklahoma and Ohio, kind of the same mentality when it comes to the people. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, he's about to come into the Big 12. Cincinnati's going to be paying him really, really well. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I've watched his teams – I don't know him personally. Obviously, he's a hell of a football coach. He's done a great job at Cincinnati. Um, that that name, I don't know how much of a fire that lights under the recruiting aspect of the of the program, and maybe it doesn't matter. 
Like at the end of the day, if you go out, you play good, hard-nosed football, you win football games, you win big-time football games. It like that's that's the recruiting end of it. Like you have to be a great recruiter whenever you coach at Baylor, right? Or Tech. When you coach at Oklahoma, you need to win football games. That's that's how you recruit. You win football games, you win big football games. You do it with toughness and physicality, and you put guys into the league. That's how you recruited Oklahoma. So maybe he fits that perfectly. I know his defenses are tough, really good, hard-nosed. Okay, so we put our call your shot out there and asked, who do you guys want to be the next head coach at OU? This one comes from Jordan Phillips. Uh, the Jordan Phillips? Yeah, he's the, playing defensive tackle for the Cardinals right now. Chimes in and says, Eric M. Bienemy. Interesting. Huh. Some people thought he may be a candidate for USC. That'd be so sick if Eric Bienemy was the next head coach. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, honestly. Neither do I. I, well, I can. I can ask all the guys that play for the Chiefs. Yeah, I know. I know he he has a great offense there in Kansas City. That's about the extent of my knowledge. We got huh. a lot of uh, this comes from Wetzeline seventeen twelve says Joe Brady Brent Venables. Joe Brady is is an interesting name. Um, I feel like someone was telling me he hates college football and loves the NFL. Well, remember, he was in was the NFL, you? came to college, and then went back to the NFL. Listen, right. this is – and I know that money is a huge factor. Like, let's not pretend it isn't. But why would anyone want to leave the NFL? Why would anyone want to leave, like, a really good NFL job? Now, once again, if you're getting $7 million, $6 million – there's a lot of reasons to leave, but with everything you got to deal with now as a college college coach, especially a head coach, you kidding me? There's no way. Uh, the difference between those two is like what what's required of you as a college head coach is insane. It is it is absurd what's required of you when you compare it to the NFL. Most NFL coaches have like a they have like a radio show that like a call in radio show that they do on like Tuesday. That's it. Other than they'll have their daily press conferences and everything. But I, when off season hits, it's like, we're gone. We're recruiting talent. We're, we're not recruiting, but we're evaluating talent in college football. We're getting ready for the combine and the, and the senior bowl. It's all football. It's all football. It's not close. Yeah, this last one comes from Matt R. Zim at Matt R. Zim on Twitter says Lane Kiffin, Dan Lanning, Dave Aranda. Lane is likely the splash hire. Oh my God, that would be so fun for us. Lane Kiffin, I would rather hire. Uh, I you can name. Literally any person on the planet 
doesn't even have to be a football coach. I'd rather hire that person than Lane Kiffin. There is no chance in hell Josie would hire Lane Kiffin. There's zero chance. None. Less too many, than zero. Uh, too many off-the-field shenanigans for our man Lane? Oh, my God. He he's a clown. He's a football he's he's a football mind, but he's a clown. There's no chance. Lane Kiffin is a hard hard no. Hard no. It's going to be really funny if he takes this job. I'm just that's the first thing I'm playing him. Uh I I if if like, I'll find something else to do with my time. I won't be uh, like associated with it at all. That's he's no, there's no way. <laughs> well, there you go. That's how, that's how Ted <laughs> feels about that. I guess we got to talk about Bedlam, right? Do we? Yeah, we do. You're right. <sighs> all right. Let's do, let's do the last ad read and then we'll, we'll talk Bedlam. You're up. All right, concussions are a part of football, and they don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specialize, specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool deck, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip visit softrock.com slash okc that's s-o-f-t-r-o-c.com slash okc for more information the clarks also own the driveway company the driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems they can repair cracks clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs visit the driveway.com slash okc for all of your driveway repair needs, learn more about Softrock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you've got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. Well, okay, first and foremost, Oklahoma State has been the better football team for the last, what, two months? Probably so, yep. And... They're the better football team on Saturday night. And you you look at it, Sooners take a nine-point lead into the fourth quarter, and they lose the game. 
Ted, do you want to start? Are we supposed to be pissed about the officiating? Do you want to start with the special teams nightmares? Like, what, where do you want to, what, how do we want to approach this? Let's start with the special teams nightmares. That, this is one of my, like, like my biggest complaints about the program for quite a while is special teams. You can, you can, you can look at almost every single loss that we've had and pinpoint special teams problems that uh, either caused the loss or were a direct contributor to the loss. It's, I mean, it's almost every single one of them over the last five or six years. We are not, and, and this is like a deeper problem to me, and we've talked about this. We are not a detail-oriented program. Special teams is one with details. Special teams is one with effort. Special teams has to be kind of ingrained in the culture of your program, um, not just a waist down where you know the ball's being handed back to you and it's and it's not an opportunity to make a play. Uh, we've been we've we've been in the Big Twelve. We've had the best roster in the Big 12 for as far back as really we can remember. Maybe only a handful of times has Texas had a better roster than us. Other than that, it's been us. If that's the case, we should absolutely punish every other team we play with special teams. This shouldn't even be close, but it's been the opposite for about as long as I can remember. Okay. so. That's coaching. I I firmly believe that special teams are a direct reflection of the head coach. You and I, we've talked about this before. Like the like Bama's special teams are awesome. Now, of course, they have amazing players, but it's because the best head coaches like the details, like every detail matters. Everything. Kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. Like it's not just, you know, a play that is a bridge between your offense being on your field and your defense being on the field. Like special teams matters. And I'm looking out on the field. I I, and. I remember, like, the guys that were on the field when you were playing special teams at OU. All starters. Almost across the board. And you look at the guys that were running down on kickoff. They got their ass knocked off on Presley's touchdown return. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking and go, why are some of those guys on the field? Well, remember that everyone always talks about this, this story. The 2001 OU Texas game, Roy makes the the Superman play, and then on the kickoff, the very next play, the kickoff, he goes down and makes the tackle on the kickoff. That's like the best defensive player in the country of a top ten first round pick, and he's on kickoff team. And frankly, he was on kickoff. Punt and I think punt return. Or no, uh, kickoff punt and kickoff return. He was on three units. So 
yeah, that, that's that's the part of it, man. That's it's all about what you emphasize. So there's that. Um, we did get a nice special teams break in the game, a gift, right? But when's the last time the Sooners have scored on special teams in a game and lost the game? It doesn't happen often, right? Like it, it doesn't happen no. often in football in general, but certainly not for OU. No, um, I, I'm trying to think. I went back and because I had talked about miscellaneous touchdowns and like what our record is when we have a miscellaneous touchdown, uh, either defensive or special teams, and our record is like it, it, it was unbelievable there was only a handful of losses in there where it, 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 I mean, the percent, the winning percentage was like 95% winning percentage when you have a miscellaneous score. So yeah, it's very rare. That is, that's frustrating, but, and then, I mean, you look at, you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. You muff a punt. That drastically changes the game. And I listen, I I like Eric Gray a lot. We've interviewed him a lot after the games. Why you're fair catching it inside of the five yard line, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's being coached. I if it is, seems like a mistake. I I don't know. But that was a clearly a massive play in the game. Yeah. It just to like explain this you have uh you have two types of punts you have like just a full-on full punt coverage and then you have what is called a pooch punt a pooch punt is whenever you are uh, in a territory near midfield and your punter is trying to pin it inside the 20 inside the 10 so in pooch punt territory, there's a certain way to cover the punt whenever you are punting it. And there's certain things that you need to understand as a punt return team. As a punt return team, the thing you have to know is there's a really good chance that your returner is not going to catch the ball. So as you get inside the 20, as a gunner who's blocking guys, you have to peel off and let those guys go. You don't want the ball to hit you down there. As a returner, if you're supposed to stand on the yard line where most people it's the eight, some people it's the nine or the 10, I don't know what OU's is, you stand on that yard line. If you have to back up at all to catch it, you don't catch it. You're supposed to do what's called a draw technique. You can wave fair catch. You can run over, act like you're going to catch the ball over on the left hash at the 10-yard line, trying to get the return team to come over to you so the ball will hit and roll into the end zone and there's no one there to recover it. That's what you're supposed to do whenever the ball's punted over your head in a pooch button situation. We didn't do that. We did not, and if only... There were, there were a coach that had a strong special teams background, maybe a coach that was uh, influential in special teams here. 
in the recent past that you know was maybe a head coach in the SEC already. Could <laughs> you know maybe a column? I'm talking about Shane Beaver. Could you imagine if Shane Beaver was the next? I little Beamer ball. I I find it hard to believe that he would leave South Carolina with his connection to that program, but. I don't know how much money I would pay for Shane to be the next head coach at OU, but it's a lot. I'd pay a lot. Yeah. I like him a ton. I think. Sorry, I think that's that's taking us off the bedlam topic, yeah. but it just kind of popped into my head. And I think he's going to have him. a. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. It it seems a little bit early, but I love the guy, and that I would not be. I would not be against that. I'll say that. I'm with you. All right. You want to talk about how the defense played? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought... you, you don't have to. People are only listening to this to hear the Lincoln portion anyways. They're like, oh, yeah, Bedlam happened. Yeah. We kind of forgot. No, we can hit some stuff. You know, I thought defensively, you know, for a, a pretty good portion, even though the score is what it is, I thought we played uh, pretty good at times. I thought our defensive line, although – we had too many penalties there, and some of them were costly. Thought our defensive line won the line of scrimmage. I thought they 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 dominated. There was penetration. There was good push. There was good pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think it hurt when Turner Yale had to come out of the game, and uh, and Bowman had to go in there and back him up. Uh, you know, Bowman missed a missed a tackle there on that that uh, speed option touchdown by Spencer Sanders. You know, there were some tackling issues out there. There were some coverage issues. But, man, whenever you look at it all in all, I thought I thought Osamoa had another really nice game. He's he's put a really, really good end of the season together. I thought all in all, it was it was good. Wasn't great. Wasn't their best. But I think it was good enough to win. I agree with that. I agree. I, it, it was, that's a great way of putting it. It was good enough to win. And the offense put them in bad spots or special teams put them in bad spots. Yeah. Right. And they, you know, they, a couple of times they had, you know, forcing turnovers was huge. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the safety play was massive. The you know whenever Spence or uh, Caleb Williams fumbled in you our mean own territory, when Caleb Williams held onto the football when Stogner was wide open on a shallow crossing route and had the opportunity to get the first down if he would have made one guy miss, and Woody Washington bailed him out with an interception. That's the exact exchange I'm talking about. That was a not a nice one by our defense. And, it's in my notes. You know they had a couple of those, couple of couple of big turnovers and a couple of nice stands after bad situations. So wasn't, wasn't their best, but considering everything in the way the game unfolded, I thought they did a, a pretty good job. I thought that they, and, and I, I do think they were surprised by the tempo early in the game. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. by it. And they tempo they got, and decision to pass. Like they, they, Passed way more than I thought they were going to. No, and I'm I'm with you. It was interesting that they chose to play that way, but it was effective early. But once they kind of settled in, it seemed like it was it was better. 
and you're right. They there's a ton of penetration at the line of scrimmage and actually thought they did a good job against Jalen Warren, right? We talked about the formula all year long. Yeah. Run it with Warren, play great defense, and they kept Warren in check. And I, I know Oklahoma State, they scored some points, but you look at the the muff punt, right, leading to a touchdown, special teams. Like, if, if you would have said that Oklahoma State's offense is going to score, what, 23 points, I would have felt – or I guess technically they scored the touchdown – after the muff punt. So even though like you just said they scored 30, I, I probably would have said, Oh, you lost actually now that I think yeah. about it, but I don't know. It felt like they played. You, you see the 37 number. And it, it feels like it felt like they played better than that. They, yeah. And they did, you know, the, they played better than that because they set up scores you know, the Woody Washington set up a score there and they, they, they stopped points from being put on the board when it was a virtual guarantee. Um, that that's big time. You know, you, whenever you do that a couple of different times, uh, score, set up a score and then force a turnover whenever, you know, your offense turns it over in your own territory. That's pretty good. Like that, that right there, that's a 14 point swing. Yeah. Okay, before I talk about the offense, let's talk about the officiating because a lot of people complaining about it. I don't know how you pick up that unsportsmanlike conduct. I, I don't know how it was unsportsmanlike, and then all of a sudden it was sportsmanlike. I, I've never seen that in a situation like that where the guy throws the flag and maybe and the refs get together and they're like, guys, if we call this, they're going to throw more beer at us like they just did a few minutes ago. And we might get hit with the beer and it's going to hurt. It's going to be cold and it's getting a little chilly out here. So we don't want to get wet with the beer. Cause it, you know, maybe we could get, we could get sick. Cause I, what was that? Yeah. I don't know. That was a very weird situation. Um, and I, I don't know what went on there. I don't know what that conversation was. Uh, you know, maybe the conversation was because that was like one of the loudest moments of the game. Maybe the conversation was it's so loud they didn't hear the whistle. And because it's so loud and maybe they didn't hear the whistle, like is is does the punishment fit the crime here? Because it was like third and seventy or whatever. <laughs> right. So I don't know, like that the way it unfolded was was weird made it look really bad but i don't have a problem with the end result but it it was it ended up being a really bad look picking that up for sure yeah. that was that had all the uh oh the big 12s just tried to screw OU people exactly uh, up up in arms uh Caleb Williams got a hit and that was a late hit on the long run it, it yeah. was I was now, shocked that that wasn't called. Now, Christian Holmes, hell of an effort play, but also a loaf by Mike Woods. I had the opportunity to block him, turned it down. So mm, yeah. that he should have never hit him because he should have been should have been blocked. It's crazy. If you don't that know what I'm talking about, go insane. watch the play. The eye in the sky does not lie. 
And then the the no call pass interference on Trayvon West on the last drive. I think it was pass interference. He was interfered with trying to catch the pass. You and I kind of disagreed on this after the game. You said you didn't think yeah. it was PI. I think it gets called in the first quarter. Right. There's a couple of factors. I think that I think it gets called in the first quarter. And I know people hate this, but it's it's like it's like whenever you you take a shot with four seconds left in a basketball game and the ball's rattling around and there's like an offensive rebound and you're trying to put it back and someone's got you in a rear neck and choke and pulling you backwards. Like there's not nothing's going to be called in, in that situation. They don't want the foul to to decide the game. I think that is kind of what was going on there with an added element that I talked about leading up to the game. And we talked about it. Whenever you have a reputation for playing really good defense, whether it's right or wrong, you are allowed to get away with way more in the secondary when it comes to covering wide receivers. So I think those two elements are probably why it wasn't called. Um, yeah, I mean, if you freeze frame it and go slow motion, it's pass interference. But the picture was everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Offensively, didn't score a point in the second half. It's not good enough. We'll see if USC scores points in the second half. We'll see, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but, well, it's interesting the the change in 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 some of the mentality Oklahoma State and how they called plays uh, way less aggressive, which is crazy because they were down. And I I feel like in the first half they tried to get cute. In the second half they just kind of you know went back a little bit more to what had got them there. I know defensively that's not necessarily the truth, but offensively it kind of was. But yeah, it it was it was really the game a tell of two halves for sure. Okay, so uh, I do want to give Lincoln Riley some credit. He thought this is what Jim Knowles was going to do coming into this game. You know, talking to some guys on the staff, Lincoln was convinced, hey, they're going to play a ton of zone. Majority zone. And he was right. And I think that Jim Knowles deserves a lot of credit. I think the guy should win the Broyles Award. Well, I, and I've, I've talked about this a lot, but one of the most dangerous sayings in coaching, in my opinion, is we're just going to do what we do, guys. And that's not what Oklahoma State's defense did. They didn't do what has made them arguably the second-best defense in all of college football. They did what they had seen OU struggle with. And I think Jim Knowles deserves credit mm-hmm. for that because when, when you're getting the results, the type of results they're getting, it, it takes... I mean, you you have to you you can't have pride 
you have to trust what your eyes are seeing and say, hey, this is what we're going to do because Caleb Williams is struggling against it. And it was a battle at the line of scrimmage, man. It was a battle. Now, Oklahoma's O-line, they took turn getting their ass kicked, but altogether, like it, they ran it pretty well with Kennedy Brooks, had some big, long, explosive runs. Uh, the QB run game is shit. It's awful. Take take it to California with you, Lincoln. It's terrible. Yep. The RPO QB power lead, that's just rip that one. Rip that one up. Take it out of the playbook. It's awful. But too many moving parts takes way too long to develop. And that describes just, a lot of their run game. Yeah, just just put the pressure on the in man on the line of scrimmage on the zone read. It's not it doesn't need to be all that difficult. Doesn't need to be that complicated. But from from a coverage perspective, the reason you know I think Jim Knowles deserves so much credit going into this game, right? It was no secret. Caleb Williams was struggling against zone coverage. So what did Jim Knowles do? Uh, according to my chart, he pray, played roughly 80% zone. And this is a defense that has played roughly 80% man concepts coming into this one. That's good coaching, man. I mean, that's good coaching. That is saying, guys, I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. And they executed it really, really well in the second half. Really well. And they got after Caleb Williams a little bit. There was some pressure. Some of that he brought on himself, just holding on to the damn ball. Um, one thing but I will say that's about That's critical, Williams, though. Whenever you think about that, I, would we give up six sacks in the game? And nine combined the two weeks before. So in the last three games... We gave up 15 sacks. That is going to get you beat every single time. And it goes back to Caleb Williams not seeing the zone well. Not He, he doesn't understand it. He, he It looks like everyone's covered. It looks like there's a million guys back there. And he freezes. And he can't pull the trigger. Yeah, Which begs the man. question, should Lincoln have gone to Rattler in that game? It's it's hard to and I know you you look at the late run that you know gave them a chance to win and they they weren't able to finish the job but obviously Rattler's not doing that but I'm not sure they're in that spot if Rattler's in the game right with they way, the way they played him defensively with how ineffective Caleb Williams like in the called QB run game was I. I don't think they would have been any worse off. Yeah. I yeah. I, I mean, know. we'll never know, but never know. It's funny, dude. Like you go back twenty-one years to two thousand, whenever the national championship team played OSU in Stillwater. I think the final of that game was like twelve to nine or something like that. They dropped eight against us the whole time. And our offense struggled, could not move the football at all. And that's why I laugh, and I know we've talked about this before, but that like all these new 
concepts against these spread offenses. It's like 21 years ago they did it against against hype and and that spread offense, and it's all essentially the same stuff. There's there's no difference to it at all, and it's it's tough. It's tough for a team that that throws the football to dice it up. When you got eight guys that know what they're doing, dropping into zone coverage, it makes it difficult to throw the football. Yep. And, and who knows if he's going to be the quarterback at OU next year or not, right? I mean, everything's up in the air at this point. Uh, I'll say this. Just got a text from someone at OU and said, we are 100% moving. I... So they're on it. They're looking for their new coach, man. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see. But I, I will say this about Caleb Williams. From everything I've been told, he works extremely hard and he cares. And those are those are two really really good characteristics to have as a quarterback. And I think he'll get much better. But he he struggles doing the boring things the boring parts of the position that are the difference between being mediocre and being great he he does not stress the little things enough you know operating the offense uh you know kind of the way you're operating the offense the demeanor that you're operating the offense with the awareness of the play clock the communication to wide receivers, to running backs. Uh, and he struggles with simple throws, right? I, I mean, he throws one backwards to Eric Gray. I mean, he throws one, it got a similar throw to Marvin Mims earlier in the game and just throws it into the ground. It's like he needs to become obsessed with the boring parts of playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. All the good quarterbacks I played with, like Drew Brees was, it was, it it was just an obsession when it came to those small, little boring details of playing the position. Yep. And that's why those guys are the way they are. I I was shocked that his deep ball never developed this season. And, you know, I understood it early whenever he first came in because, you know, he hadn't had a whole lot of live action. And it's always different in live action. The guys are moving faster in live action than they are in practice. You can never replicate it. But he never got caught up, uh, almost constantly underthrowing guys uh, on downfield balls. And, you know, uh, honestly, a lot of bad, poorly thrown deep balls ended up being a good thing because we got a lot of pass interference calls out of it, right? Guys trying to come back to a, a, an underthrown deep ball. And, you know, it. I don't know. He just, he never really figured out that timing aspect of throwing it downfield. Yeah. He will, though. I'm confident that he will. Yep. And we'll see if it's a no-you jersey. <laughs> but you look at, uh, he missed the one to Mike Woods early in the game. He missed Trayvon West. Uh, really close, but both of those just slightly off. Do want to mention some of the positive things. Uh, Stogner and Willis both had sick touchdown catches mm-hmm. where they bossed the hell out of guys. Great, I loved that. That was all that will seeing him come out 
run out of that uh, injury tent with the sleeve on his knee. He got went down awkward uh, on that one play. Uh, he's a tough dude. Give me Braden Willis any day. I love that guy. I love what he he's done here as a Sooner. And to see him go up and get that that fade over the top of a guy was awesome. Get the toes in. That was sweet. Uh, Brian Darby scored a touchdown, first touchdown of the game. I mean, hey, tell you make a name for yourself, man. You make big plays like that as a young yep. player in a game like that. That's that's big time. Uh, one of my other notes: the slow developing Q. <laughs> sometimes, like I jot down notes when I'm rewatching the game, and this one says the slow developing QB run game sucks ass. It's terrible. The I'm not a fan of of like just the the gap scheme stuff that we run with the double poolers. If you face a team that comes up and sets an edge on that and goes and hits it, like it turns into like tackle for lost city because you can never get going and never get get the thing going downhill. You got those big guys running lateral and a couple of times Oklahoma State came up and set the edge, buddy. They did it physically. Uh, Jeremiah Hall got blown up on one of the plays early on. So, um, yeah, stuff takes a long time to develop, and if someone comes and forces it, it it, it gets really difficult to make any hay. Oh, that was a great reminder. Uh, perfect execution of the oh shit screen to Jeremiah Hall. That was great. Yep. That's about as good. At, like the, the only way it gets better is if he goes and scores. That was yep. perfect execution. Or if he goes to the ground, you know, and does the whole the little barrel roll on the ground and then we, gets up. We had that one uh, in high school, and and we called it "te wounded knee." <laughs> Fall down and then run the oh shit screen. Te oh wounded knee, but that was great. That was great. Just trying to point out some of the positives. Uh, thought, man, Conjul. The, the bad snaps at the end kind of ruined what was, and he got his ass kicked really bad on one, gave up a sack. But, you know, I thought all things considered, if he wouldn't have had that string of bad snaps at the end of the game, like he played a pretty decent game. He uh, held Swinson, his own. I just hope he's okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was bad. That was a he scary situation. I've never seen the doctors lay a guy on the bench like that and elevate his feet. I don't know what was going on. I know he had the flu, but I don't know. And so did Con Conjol had the flu earlier in the week too. And that dude battled. Yeah. He uh, was that, uh, he did a good job. It, that nose kept trying to push, pull him. And, uh, <laughs> he was getting ragdolled, but he stayed in the fight. He, that was pretty he, good. He, bat he battled, man. I thought Marquise Hayes did some really good stuff. Uh, was physical. At times, I know he had the penalties, uh, but a couple of them, it's like, okay, that's just bad luck with where the ball bounced. And one of them was on the stupid QB read RPO play that, God, hate that play. So, but uh, Tyrese Robinson had a rough stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, rough stretch. And yeah, he's going to look at that and not be, uh, overly thrilled with the way that he played uh in that portion of the some, game that that knee pretty much the last yeah two he three did games, doesn't right? look yeah doesn't look like he's moving around very well and then chris murray uh his lack of length really got exposed at times in this game and i'll say this man oklahoma state's defensive line they're exactly what i thought they were 
There's no weak links. None. They go too deep across the board, and they're strong. They're physical. And, and really, ultimately, I think the last play of the game kind of describes how this game went, Ted. And I think OSU just wanted a little more, man. They just wanted a little more. Like, last play of the game, Colin Oliver is is army crawling to grab Caleb Williams' ankle. Yep. Like, he's, I mean, literally giving it everything he's got. And that was, that was kind of the difference. I just, and now uh, who knows what, what what the players for Oklahoma think. Like, clearly, some distractions going into this one. But, I mean, they'll never say that's an excuse. But we both know that, you know, those conversations, like, there are questions being asked. Like, players are asking their position coach, hey, is Lincoln leaving? Yeah. You know, the week of the game, two days before the game. So, those are all excuses. You got to give Oklahoma State credit, man. They Nope. You do. They deserve to be in the Big 12 championship game, and I think they're going to go win it. I do, too. I think they're going to win it, and I think they're probably going to go to the college football playoff. I, I would be I'd be shocked if, if they were held out of it. I guess the one thing is if Alabama beats Georgia, but the way Alabama's been farting around, I don't see that happening. Um, maybe they do. It's Alabama, but I think – I think Oklahoma State's going to earn a spot in the college football playoff. And I'll tell you, like, they set the tone in that football game on that kickoff return for a touchdown whenever about three or four guys came up and just smashed our coverage unit right in the mouth over there on our own sideline and opened up a huge gaping hole. Like, just physically punished us on that play. And... They set the tone. They set the tone in the football game. Yep. All right. We'll finish up with birthday shout outs. Yes. We got to finish up positivity. Yeah. Lincoln Riley left, bailed on us. Sooners lost in Stillwater. Not playing it. What did we do? They're not playing in the Big 12 championship game. What the hell did we do this week? I don't know. Who knows? I guess watch the game and think and just put ourselves through the misery saying how bad we should be there and how bad we'd beat both of the teams. Even Brutal. though the Sooners lost to both of them. Yeah, even though. Do you think let's say we win that game? Does this whole thing get put off? Yeah, till till next week. Listen, uh, it, this was not I refuse it's like to believe. The dam was ready to burst, though. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No, I've, I I feel you, but I I refuse to believe that this wasn't just it, it, this was going to happen, right? Right. I mean, this it was going to happen, and that's fine. And appreciate you know, like like we're going to be there. Going to be a lot of hateful things said about Lincoln Riley, right? Let's just be real mm-hmm. with how much football means to to the people here in Oklahoma, but. Man, I, I appreciate what he did, right? I appreciate what his wife, Caitlin, did. Like, she was always extremely kind to me. She didn't have to be nice to me. And she that she was awesome to me. And, and they did a lot of great things in the community. Like, all this, I, I know that this is going to be his legacy, right? Leaving. But 
he did do some good things, right? Brought a lot of people a lot of happiness, a lot of people a lot of sadness. But yeah, his his legacy is going to be leaving and that gigantic house that he just finished building literally like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> how, how much is that thing costing in Beverly Hills? In Beverly Hills? Oh my god. 30 million? 30 at least. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you live? Because USC is kind of like more downtown. Where do you live if you coach at USC? If you're asking me, you live in the cheapest apartment you can find, which is $30 million. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. No, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where you live. I got no idea. All right. Birthday shout outs to finish up. Uh, happy birthday. Happy 21st birthday. Ooh. 21st birthday. Zane Potts tw- turning 21 on a Monday. Ooh, exciting stuff, Zane. Hey, Zane, have a good time, but nothing crazy, Zane. Come on. Come on, buddy. Be glad it's a Monday, and I'm sure um, I'm sure there's still going to be maybe a hangover involved, but keep it smart out there. Uh, happy 32nd birthday to Dr. Peter Clark. Dr. Peter, uh, eye surgeon. Ooh, fancy man. Ooh, all right, Doc. Happy birthday. And his buddy said he loves pounding Sonic hard seltzers when he's not doing eye surgery. LOL. <laughs> That's good. It's good that he doesn't combine the two. Yep. Um, happy birthday to Melissa Cloud. Happy birthday, Melissa. Happy birthday. And last but certainly not least, happy 21st birthday to Seth Anderson. Ooh, couple of 21s. Happy birthday. Keep it safe out there, Seth. Boomer Sooner, Seth. And on that note, episode 168, I think. I think that's right. I don't know if it's right or not, Ted. I don't know. There's been a lot going on. It sounds it's the, right. It's the Lincoln episode. We'll remember it as that. Yeah, 168. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about on there. I'm, we'll preview the conference championship games that OU's not Candidates. in. Candidates. Coaching candidates. 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 Candid- what do you say? Candidate. Same. All right. Just a reminder, you can hear this is so stupid. Just a reminder, <laughs> you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94.7 the ref. You can hear me from three to five on Series Sex Impact 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time